God cares deeply about our attitude. And the truth is that often our attitude could use some adjustment. Even in the best of circumstances, a good attitude does not come naturally. But we can replace complaining with thanksgiving, covetousness with contentment, criticism with love, and adjust our attitudes to honor Him. In this study, Lord, change my attitude based on the Israelites' life in the wilderness. We will learn how our attitudes can keep us in the wilderness or allow us to enjoy the blessings of the promised land. Good morning. Hola. It's good to see you each and every one here this morning. Um, I've had some good time away this week with my wife and kids and son-in-law, getting used to a new member of the family. And even though we've had him for two years, we don't hang around that much. The son-in-law is um, it's different. But I'll tell you, we are blessed. We are blessed that we have him. We're blessed that he is a young man that honors God and knows God and is leading my daughter to worship God. And we're very grateful for that. So, you know, it's those little things when you, they seem like little things and then you realize, hey, wait a minute. Um, God has richly blessed our family and we're very grateful that he has done that. Today we're going to finish, um, I feel more conversational than preacher today. Does that make sense? Some days you just want to sit and feel like the Lord said proclaim, and other days you just feel like God said let's sit down and talk about it. For all of you who think the worship center has been too cold in weeks past, you ought to be happy today because it is warm in the house. So don't anybody come up to me and say y'all are shivering because I'm going to just say uh-uh, can't make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, you like that, don't you? Y'all can tell. You just grinning back there ear to ear. Um, We're going to finish our conversations, our talk about Lord Change My Attitude. And what we've seen in this process is that there were about 2 million people. They were known as Hebrew people. They were people that God chose. Now, a lot of times when we hear this phrase, God chose them, it's almost like an, an idea of arrogance. Well, hey, God chose me. Well, God did choose them, but not at the expense of the rest of humanity. God chose them to be a people that he would reveal himself to, and in turn, they were supposed to reveal God to other people. That's why they were a chosen people. They were chosen to get the the relationship, the manifestation of God, and then not to take it and hold it, but to give it away. And that's why it was said it came first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Now that's us. All of us are Gentile. And now we, because the Jewish people held it and didn't take it and share it, God gave it to us and he said, now I want you to go and do what they didn't do and I want you to tell the world that Jesus is the answer, that God is Yahweh. Well, these children of Israel... You know they had an up and down history with God that ultimately led them to being in captivity in the land of Egypt. About 400 years is how long they were there. And in that 400 year period of time, they always had the promise that God would come back and get them. But in that time when they were there, 
they forgot about God, I am, God, Yahweh, and they began to worship other gods. And one day, God came to this man named Moses. He came to him at a bush that was burning. The bush was burning but not being consumed. And as Moses was there, God said, whoa, you're on holy ground. And God began to speak. And God said, Moses, I want you to go back and get those people. And Moses began to make all these excuses about why he couldn't go. And ultimately, he said, you know what, Lord, send somebody else. I can't talk. I don't want to go. And God said, I tell you what, I'm going to send your brother Aaron. And I'll be God to you. And you'll be like God to Aaron. And Aaron will speak all that I'm telling you. And ultimately, Moses said, I'll go. So he went and got those people. He went and got them out of the land of Egypt after some conflict and turmoil. But ultimately, God showed himself faithful. And the Pharaoh said, get those people out of here. And they began a journey. It was called the wilderness journey to the promised land. Supposed to take about four months. It wound up taking 40 years. It took them 16 months to get to the edge of the promised land. But we remember they spent about 12 months at Mount Sinai. And then when they got there, all through that journey, they began to have attitudes that developed in them. Those attitudes took the favor of God away from them. We saw that they had an attitude of complaining. Remember we used, when we said that they would murmur? And we said murmur, murmur was a word like automatopoeia. It's a word that when you say it, it just kind of defines itself. So let's do that murmur, murmur, murmur. Myrrh, that's kind of what's going on. They began to complain and they began to gripe and say, God, why didn't you just let us stay there and die? It was better in Egypt. It wasn't better in Egypt because when they were in Egypt, they were griping about that. And not only did they begin to complain, they began to covet. And they began to think about all the things that they had and they would eat in Egypt. And, you know, one thing about coveting is we don't ever remember it exactly the way it really was. And Satan tricks us that way. And they began to covet food that they didn't eat. They prepared it for others to eat it. But they didn't get to eat it. And they began to covet. And God said, I tell you what, I'm going to give you what you asked for. And so he sent a miracle of quail. So much so that it says that they just began to vomit. They had so much of it. So they went from coveting, they were complaining, to coveting, to criticizing. And then God said, you know what? Oh, I'm just fed up with you people. And then when they left that idea of complaining and criticizing, then they began to doubt God. And ultimately, the fifth wilderness attitude that we saw in the children of Israel was the attitude of rebellion. And God said, I've had enough. And in Numbers 14, 26, he said, I tell you what's going to happen. For every one of you that's the age of 20 and above, You will not enter the promised land and you're going to wander in this wilderness until the last one dies. So guys, listen to me. Attitudes matter to God. Our attitudes matter. And every time we looked at one of those Old Testament wilderness attitudes, we looked at a New Testament attitude that would counteract it. And last week we said rebellion was the attitude that ultimately God said, I'm fed up. Well, today we're going to look at the attitude that 
counteracts rebellion, and that is the attitude of submission. Now, I want to tell you something. That's a dirty word in the world today. It has been hijacked. And the minute that somebody says, I want you to submit, well, I ain't going to submit. Uh-uh, no way, not me. Tell me what to do. I ain't doing that. I mean, how many of you have ever looked at your child and said, do this, and they just kind of <laughs> bow up and don't do it? How many times in your life has God said, this is what I want from you, and you bow up and say, I ain't doing that. I've had those moments. And remember what we said. Every one of us, have we're born with a rebellious attitude. And we define rebellion as knowing but not doing what God wants you to do. And number 16, when we saw the sons of Korah and how that rebellion raised up and over 15,000 people were led into rebellion and they lost their lives. Submission, and you can follow me in your outline now, and I apologize for that. Um, submission is to operate. Are you awake? Time changed. Yes. Submission, to operate within the established authority, to be under the chain of command that God has established. God said, I've got a hierarchy. We're going to look at it. We're going to study it. We're going to find out what it is. God says, I have a hierarchy. And submission is to operate within that established authority. Now listen to me. The ultimate question here is, not did you submit, but do you trust God? And you see, when I put my rebellion up against that and I realize, well, wait a minute. I'm not rebelling against the police. I'm not rebelling against my parents. I'm not rebelling against the government. Ultimately, I'm rebelling against God. Now I've got to ask some real questions here. Do I trust God, God's best, God's ways with my life? The opposite, or when submission does not take place... We have anarchy. Anarchy is a state of lawlessness due to re the rejection of authority. Judges 17.6 says that each one did what was right in their own eyes. Now ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. God set up a hierarchy. And the scripture assures me and promises me. That when I submit myself to God and I follow Him, that He is working for me, that no weapon formed against me will prosper, that in the middle of my situation, even if it's unfair, that God will look after me and protect me and ultimately show Himself faithful not only to me but to those around me. Now can I tell you that is hard. That is hard because if you're working for a boss that's not fair and you do all the work and somebody else gets all the glory, you're like, well, let me tell you what, I'll show you. And God says, no, do your work as unto the Lord. Trust God. Follow Him. Operate within the established authority. 
You, so let's go start filling in the outline now. The first thing that we see is submission is duty to God. In Ephesians 5.1, and I, I didn't mark these because I wanted to flip at the same pace that y'all did today. So Ephesians 5.21 says this. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So God says that one place that we need to submit is to one another. In verse 22 it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. And he begins to talk about there. Now let's go back over to 1 Peter. And when we look at 1 Peter, we begin to see some other things that he teaches us about submission. And he, 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Do you hear again it says, for the Lord's sake, as to the Lord? So ultimately, the submission, the, the, the answer to rebellion is submission, and the submission is to God. Now, when I submit myself to God, I'm submitting myself to the authorities that he's placed in my life. So let's just talk a minute. What are some of the authorities that God has placed in our lives? Parents, okay? Children, when your parents seem unfair, trust God. Now, hear me? There are limits, and we're going to talk about limits when there's abuse or there's illegal and all of those things. We have an out with God, and we need to report certain things. Yes, but in the confines of a life where God is there and there's not abuse, illegal, or those kind of things going on, he says that I want you to submit yourselves to parents. Who else are we supposed to submit ourselves to? Yes. Okay, somebody else say it loud. The police, Eddie, you like that, don't you? Because when you go out on those calls, man, you want people to respect the authority that's there for sure. Anybody else? Your boss, your teachers, yes. Pastors, yes. Government, we are to submit ourselves to government, to the laws of the land. Right now, there's a petition going around my neighborhood where there's the city of Stockbridge is wanting to make some changes. And we're having to submit ourselves to the authority that's around us. But there are ways to be submitted to the authority, but yet at the same time voice a dislike. But yes, we're to be submitted to the government around us. So let's just keep reading. Because this is what he says. Submit yourselves to every ordinance. You notice it didn't say the ones I like, the ones I agree with, the ones that are... That I think are popular. It says every. For the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors. As to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. And for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good. You may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So when I submit myself to the authorities. That, to first to God. And then to the authorities that he puts in my life. He says that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Go down to chapter 3. 
Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Man, men like that one. But you know what, men, we always, we forget to read verse 7. Husbands, likewise. Uh Uh-oh. Now we got a different story going on, don't we? What's the likewise? Submit. It's over there. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Guys, have you ever wondered why your prayers aren't working? Read 1 Peter 3, 7. It says if you're not treating your wife right, your prayers are bumping the ceiling. Man, that's a big deal. Gail loves this verse. Because anytime I go read 1 Peter 3, 7. And, and listen to me. That's a good verse for men to read. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Yeah. So submission, it's duty to God as to the Lord for the Lord's sake. Submit yourselves. But listen to me. Submission is cooperation. 2.13 Therefore, submit. Notice here. Do you see this? It doesn't say that we're forced. It says, this is what I want you to do. It's Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then these things are added unto you. But it's not submission. is not just duty. Submission is cooperation. Submission is... Did anybody bring an umbrella today? Does anybody in this room... If you have an umbrella, stand up with it for me, if it's with you. If anybody's got one, Miss Tanya, stand up with your umbrella for me. Yeah, no, no, do open it. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to tell y'all how my mama taught me, okay? She went in the room and she got an umbrella. And when she got that umbrella, she said, Chris, when you obey me, you are under the umbrella of my protection. And she would hold the umbrella over her head, okay? She would say, when you disobey me, you are out from under the umbrella of my protection. And guess what she'd do with the umbrella? She'd hold it off to the side. Then one day it was raining, and she said, Chris, let's go outside and let's look at this again. When you obey me, you're under the umbrella of my protection, and I was not getting pelted by the rain. And she said, Chris, when you disobey me, you get pelted by the rain. Now listen to me. Submission, you can put up your umbrellas, thank you. Submission to God. When I submit myself to Him and to His authority, I am under His protection. That means that what comes into my life, He says that He is working it together for my good. It means that He is looking after me. It means He's protecting me. That means that all the resources of heaven are standing between me and the weapons that Satan wants to form against me. But at that moment that I become rebellious... 
at that moment that I step away and say, God, your way, yeah, that's pretty good, but I can't trust you there. The moment that I step away from that, I take myself out from under that umbrella of protection, and then I am subject to all of the, the things of Satan. Guys, listen to me. Submission has been hijacked, but submission to God is freedom. Submission to God is life. Submission to God is peace. Submission to God is energy. Submission to God is protection. And you could just go on and on and on down the list. Submission to operate within the established authority, to be under the chain of command that God has established. Submission is cooperation. Submission is protection. Go to verse 14. Or to to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I'm going to say this very, very carefully because I will be misunderstood. But I believe it's absolutely right. Submission for the punishment of evildoers. Evil needs to be punished. Do you hear me? It does. God said that. God said that sin separates us from Him. Evil keeps us from God. And when people do wrong, there needs to be punishment. And then people who do good, there needs to be praise to those who do good. It's, and, and here's what I'm trying to help you understand. Is the other day, Gail and I were going down the road. We were talking, and I wasn't watching. And 55 became 75. And 75 going down a hill became 80. I can't win the lottery for nothing, but if I get over the speed limit, I can find every cop in town. (laughs) He pulled me over. And you know his question, right? Mr. Reynolds, what's your hurry? Well, I didn't have an excuse. Well, I had some excuses. He just didn't like them. And he shouldn't have liked them. None of them were any good at all. Didn't keep me from trying them, though. I was punished for my wrong. I did not submit myself to the authority of God, the law of the land. And because of that, now I go down the road and I use my cruise control much more diligently And I watched the speed limit. The punishment served as a correction. In parenting, if all I ever do is look at my children and say, you're bad, you're wrong, you don't ever do right, you're this, you're that, then when they do good, I need, when they do bad, I need to punish them. When they do good, I need to praise them. Positive reinforcement. 
The same thing is true in our relationship with God. When God chastises us or disciplines us, what does it say? The Lord disciplines those that He loves. So when God disciplines me, it is telling me He loves me. When God encourages me, He's telling me, keep on. When He blesses me for doing good, He's saying, keep on. So submission is duty. Submission is cooperation. Submission is protection. When I am under the authority of God, when I am living for Him, I can say, hey God, you have a problem. You need to fix that. You see, when you honor God with your finances, when you honor God with your tithe, when you don't just say, here, God, here's my tithe, but the other 90% is yours and I want to use it to your glory. When those moments come up in financial things, you can say, God, I've given you everything I own. Now, God, what are we going to do? What are you going to do about this? And there's freedom in that. When we live inside the confines of marriage and we're walking through a difficult time and things aren't getting along, we can look and say, God, I'm honoring you. God, I've given you my marriage. God, what are we going to do? What are you, how are you going to protect this? And God says that I am working for your good. Trust me, no weapon formed against you will prosper. I will be a light to your path. I will be a lamp to your feet. Look at verse 16. Submission has limits under God. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. You see, when you are living your life in submission to God, you are free men and women. We're free from the chains of sin. We're free from the bondage of many, many things. And Satan has no power over us. And we are to submit to God as long as the submission does not cause us to violate the will and the word of God. You say, so how far do I submit? I submit to the point that it does not cause me to violate the word or will of God. Now, that's a hard thing to do because I go into my job and my job isn't fair or somebody comes in and they seem to be getting rewarded or I'm in a marriage that's difficult and yet God says that I want you to honor your spouse. Yes. Yes. I don't like the law of my city council. I don't like what they're doing. Is it causing me to violate the will and the word and the way of God? No, but yet I have to submit to that. Because I am a believer, and as a believer, my trust is not in the human establishment. My trust is in the divine Lord God Himself. And God, I trust You. And Lord, You may cause me to walk through a valley, but in that valley may be the very spot that somebody needs to see faith. And so God, I trust You. I trust you. Lord, this isn't fair. And God, just ask a question. Do you trust me? Ladies and gentlemen, submission to God is freedom. Submission to God is life. And God said, He told us it's not going to always be flowery fields. 
He said, there are going to be some bumpy places. But if you'll trust me, I will walk you through it. And if you will trust me and let me walk you through it, I will strengthen you. I will support you. I will keep you. I will protect you. But also, other people will see me in you and I will be glorified. You see, the goal of the Christian life is not my happiness. It's my holiness. The goal of the Christian life is not to float from cloud to cloud, but the goal of the Christian life is to let other people see a real and living God that I can trust through every situation of life. And listen to me. Some of you here today, life couldn't be any better. And it is easy to say, praise the Lord. But for some of us here today, submission is hard. Submission to the will of God is difficult because you're in the valley and you're stumping your toes on the rocks and you're walking on the, thorn, on the thorns and it's sticking and it's prickly, prickly. But God says, do not grow weary in doing good. For if you endure, you will reap. And you look and you say, well, man, that's... Those people over there, their marriage is good. Their life is good. Their house is good. Their job is good. Their car is good. You look at somebody else and you say, man, God's just blessing them here and they don't have the struggles. And look, their kids, they didn't even do half the job parenting that I did. And look at their kids. They're honoring God and loving God and in church and obeying God. And man, God, I had my kids in church every Sunday and I had this and I did that. And yours are not walking that way. And it's easy to say, why me, God? And God says, submit to me, trust me, follow me, and I will keep you in perfect peace. Submission is duty. Submission is cooperation. Submission is protection. Submission has limits. The next one, submission is voluntary. Look at verse 17. Servants, be submissive to your masters. With all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. Now, how can I do that? How can I do that when I don't agree with everything that's going on around me or things are happening and they don't seem fair? Ultimately, my submission is not to the boss or to the authority over me. My submission is to God and I can trust God. God is trustworthy. Do you notice in Scripture... The Bible never says, be humble. The Bible always says, humble yourselves. It's an action. Here he says, be submissive. It's a choice. God, I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to surrender myself to you. I'm going to submit yourself to myself to you. Dunkin' Donuts. One of them in the area made their coffee go up to $3.01. I am not going to submit myself to that. Because I can go around the corner and it's more than 50 cents less. The same thing. All right, you see, some things are choice. But I cannot decide about my taxes. And I am 
to submit myself to the authority of God. My taxes are at the person that does them now. And he called me the other day and he said, Chris, it looks like you're going to have to pay. And I said, that's not fair because Russell got money back. (laughs) Now that's true. That's a true statement. I work at the same place. He got money back and I got to pay money. What? I don't have a choice. Dallas getting married had a lot of benefits, but it also had some negatives. I can't claim her anymore. I didn't adjust my taxes accordingly. You see, submission, be submissive. I could not pay the amount, but I would imagine that I would get a letter that would say, you ought to pay this. Submission is voluntary. Let's keep reading. Verse 17, let's go back there. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the harsh. I don't like that, but that's what God says do. And why does he say it? For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. It's voluntary. Remember, I'm submitting myself to God. But then look at verse 21, because it says, Submission is intimacy. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. The children of Israel took a four-month journey and turned it into 40 years. Because of the attitude that they developed. God was patient with them until they became rebellious. If you go back to that story I told you about Moses. Moses said, what if and what if and what if. And God was patient until Moses was rebellious. And ultimately when Moses said, God send somebody else. It says, then the anger of the Lord burned against him. In our lives... The scripture says that God is slow to anger. And as long as we are pursuing Him and seeking Him, as long as we are allowing Him to mold us and to work in us, He continues to do that. But at that moment that we stomp our foot and we say, God, I will not be moved. I'm going to do it my way. We take ourselves out from under His umbrella of protection. We take His hand of blessing off of us. Ladies and gentlemen, God's, if you're here today, God is giving you that chance to come back to Him and say, not my will, but your will be done. When Dallas was two years old, we were in Target in Fort Worth, Texas. 
And Gail said, Chris, we will only spank Dallas for willful disobedience. As long as she's learning, we'll, we'll try to teach her. Now, we didn't do that perfectly, but that was the rule. We were in Target, and I said, Dallas, don't do that. And she looked at me and said, I will, Daddy. Ooh. And I looked at Gail because I didn't know what to do, and she said, that was willful disobedience. I said, so what am I supposed to do? She said, you need to spank her. So I picked her up, and I said, young lady, we are walking to this bathroom right now, and you're going to get a spanking. She came out laughing, and I came out crying. (laughs) That's a true statement. Gil said, what did you do? I said, boy, I just laid into her. She said, I can tell. (laughs) But listen to me. God does set up rules. And there are times that we walk through this season of these seasons of life that we don't understand. But God has not forgotten us. He knows us by name and He knows the number of hairs on our head. And He says that I love you and I'm for you and I'm working for you. And I think one of the most difficult things for me to do in life is that when I'm going through those storms or I'm facing those challenges or I'm facing unfairness is to look at God and say, your way is a good way and I'm going to trust you through it. And I can give you stories about when I just sat down and said, Lord, no, no. And I can give you the outcome of those and they're not happy endings. And I can give you examples in my life where God said, trust me and behold and see the battles the Lord has won for you. And I can look and tell you that I have not ever once regretted trusting God through a storm. I've never once regretted trusting God when He humbled me. I've never once regretted trusting God when... Somebody was unfair. And then not in just because I was submitted to God, I submitted to them. God is faithful. God wants your life. And you know, every four years in America, half the room is happy. And the other half of the room is unhappy. And there are ways that we stand and we protest And we speak, but ultimately we are not citizens of this world. We have a king. His name is Jesus. He loved us so much that he died on the cross at Calvary so that we could be forgiven our sins, so that the unrighteous could be made righteous. He is worthy of our trust. His ways are good ways. When I'm in the job that seems unfair, I take it to him and say, God, today I'm going to submit to the rules of this boss because ultimately I'm submitting to you. And Lord, as long as this is the job that you're providing for me, I will submit to you. Lord, if you want to open up another door, (laughs) I'm ready.
I'm accepting. I'm willing. God, I've got a resume if you'll just tell me where to send it. Had a friend text me this week and say, pray for me. God told me to get my resume ready. But she had been walking through a time of submission to an unfairness. And God released her. When you're in marriage, as long as that marriage is not forcing you to violate the will and the way of God, as long as it's not abusive and endangering you or your children, God says, husbands, submit to your wives. The scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands. That's what it says for us to do. If my taxes go up, I have to submit to that authority. But God says, the righteous are never, ever forsaken. Mount Zion, I want us to be a church that when people see us, that there is no explanation for us except that we trusted God. We trusted God. And so, Vicki, when you're walking through those long and lonely moments, let people say, man, she trusted God. When you're walking through a marriage that's hard. He trusted God. She trusted God. When the job is difficult, man, they trusted God. God will deliver us. God will take us to that promised land. And along the way, He will transform us and conform us into the image of His Son. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more, to listen to messages and teaching from Pastor Chris, to contribute through online giving, please visit our website at www.mzbc.org. Thank you for supporting Mount Zion, where you are welcome, wanted, and needed.